Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unlikely to Apologize. I'm one of your hosts, Nikki. And I'm Heather. And this week we had, well, how are you feeling, Heather? Because oh gosh, <laughs> I, I missed you on Saturday. <laughs> well, so yeah. So Saturday, initially, I was supposed to miss because family emergency. My grandma had a stroke. I'm so um, sorry. Tampa. My sister ended up having to go because Saturday morning, woke up with a 101.9 fever. Mm. Um. And so I have been sick for the last few days. My sister actually ended up going and is still there in Tampa. I am on the mend, though. Um, my grandma's home from the hospital. So I think everything is headed in the right direction. Oh, um, good news. Yeah, I'm really bummed that I missed this conversation with Bree because, man, she's amazing. I know, right? Like, I I think I've listened like four or five times just because I... There were a couple of times where I was actually speechless and you, who knows me very well, I'm sure you could tell in it that I was just like, huh, like I didn't, I didn't think about money this way or I didn't attach money to my behaviors or, you know, it was very enlight- enlightening. Sorry. I don't think that I will ever forget her say, um, emotions are expensive. Right. Emotions are expensive. That was a good one. There was bro. What was another one? She said broke or busy, broken and exhausted. Um, It's also three things that could be expensive. Uh, Yeah. Good. So we're we're really excited for you guys to listen to this incredible conversation between Nikki and Brie. Yeah. uh, Hope you guys enjoy. Uh, If you guys do enjoy, please take some time to leave us a review um, like us on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to or send us an email at hello at unlikely to apologize.com and hope you guys enjoy this. Thanks. 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 Morning, Bree. Thanks for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah. I'm so excited for this. I've been like gearing up all week to ask you so many questions, but also listen to you share your story. Um, just a Quick introduction, as everybody knows, I'm Nikki. Um, unfortunately, Heather is not here to join us today. She had a family emergency to take care of, so it'll be just me talking with you. Um, just a quick introduction, Bree. Please uh, let us know who you are. Oh, so my name is Bree Sedano. I am a personal finance expert and the founder of Up From Sheep to Shark. And Nikki and I have been friends since literally childhood. We used <laughs> to live. My mom used to live right down the street from her parents. Right. And we used to hang out together. So we're here and I'm super excited. Right. So I think a lot of the time, so one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on is for New Year's, a lot of women or, or families, I should say too, are trying to, you know, figure out budgeting and, you know, kind of get in control of their finances. And I think it's a big struggle with a lot of women, especially trying, you know, to manage funds with their families, but also like, manage their own funds and what they're they're working with as well. Um, before we dive into all the great things you do, I think it's very important to start off with kind of where you started from. As I know, um, back when we were like, I say college years, you worked for um, Boys and Girls Club, right? And you were, what did you do there? So I did a whole decade in the nonprofit sector. So I started at Boys and Girls Club as a lifeguard and I had literally basically every job there except for the gym and the janitor. Although I can run a basketball game and I've mopped the floor to myself. So actually, kind of how I got started was I was working there. And for a long time, I was really happy. I loved what I was doing. Um, And I think I was making like 38,000 and I got married young. We had kids young. And so, you know, I was paying a mortgage and like preschool 
right. uh, at this point. And so I taught myself how to trade stock options to make extra money. I have so many questions because I have literally been trying to figure this out. I feel like for years and I still have not. So I might on another side note, another episode, maybe I'll get you on here and you can teach us all how to do this because. Oh, uh, dude, trading stack options. It took me six months to learn how to do. Really? Uh, you're not, I'm not like, I will help you. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a complicated and high risk, very speculative mm. uh, strategy. So you're not going to do it on a six minute podcast. Although you can learn something. Like, I mean, just little just things. Be, uh, so I just uh, kind of like, what I do is I'll just kind of Google what stock should I buy? <laughs> and then I go and buy it. So options are leveraged. So like you're buying control of a hundred shares. You're not buying the hundred shares. So it's leveraged. So I was, I wasn't trading stocks. I was trading options, which is like oh, okay. extra risky, extra speculative, extra lucrative. And so, why, so what made you like, decide like, okay, I'm just going to teach myself how to do this and start doing it. Uh, actually I was, one day I was at a restaurant and one of our biggest donors was, was there at the, and I was just eating soup. I, I mean, I was going back to work. I was not drinking. I was just, but I was sitting at a bar eating soup and one of our <laughs> biggest donors there was there and he came in and he was talking to me and he was like, there's this seminar that's coming up and something, something. And I'd known him. Um, like we, we, the, you know, I was a decade at the Boys and Girls Club and he was one of our biggest donors. So I knew him. And so we were chit-chatting and he gave me a ticket to this seminar. And when I was there, Phil Town was speaking, who's a, who's like a stock market expert and, and guru, I suppose. And he was talking about stock options and I had no idea what he was talking about, but I thought <laughs> for sure that I was definitely an expert uh, and so I was horrified that he was talking about these things and I literally had no idea what he was talking about. So I started Googling it and then I, um, I bought a couple of books and I studied on like, you can like the CBOE, um, is the Chicago board of options exchange. They have a ton of free, free, um, like classes to take. So I started there and then I, I've spent some money on some classes too, to learn how to do it. And it took me a good couple, uh, it took me like a good six months to learn how to do it. Um, and also, I don't love trading stock options because I find it to be, it feels like gambling, like in your body. Right. I was like, you're constantly, you're constantly at a roulette table almost, right? Yeah, it's like, well, and at the time I was, I was really doing this with money. I didn't have to lose. And so it worked like, listen, I got, I, it did what I needed it to do. And for where I was, it, it was fine, but it's not like a strategy that I'm like currently using because it just is it's just stressful for me i was gonna say so you were doing this because you with with money essentially that you needed but hoping that it would work to give you more money that you needed yeah and i did well enough like i did well enough because at the time like an extra few hundred dollars an extra thousand bucks was really like a big game changer for me at mm -hmm. that time so it was all right um and then as time went on i became unhappy there like i kind of outgrown it and I, I i was just really like Every Sunday, I would get like a hot, steaming pit of anxiety. Yeah, like to go. I know, I know that feeling all too well. <laughs> to like have to go to work, and um, I remember I was whining to my mom one day, and she was like, "Well, you taught yourself how to trade stock options. Why don't you just go take the Series Seven and be a financial advisor?" And I was like, "Well, that sounds like a great idea, mom." <laughs> and then, so that's what I did. So I applied for a job. I got a job with like a big national firm. Um, and they trained like, so I got my series seven, my 66 on my insurance licenses. And I was like a highly credentialed, you know, financial advisor. And I was doing that for, uh, a while. And, 
you know, the first place I was at, I, I actually wasn't really super successful. Uh, I knew what I needed to know to be good at my job, but I didn't know how to sell. I didn't know how to talk to people. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was just struggling and there wasn't like super good support. Like I didn't feel like, you know, what was wild is I went to an independent firm and I did three meetings with my, with, uh, m- you know, that my new boss. Mm-hmm. And then I was, um, I was amazing. I was off to the races. It was, it was the wildest thing to me to be like, what I needed was like, literally like a pat on the back and then like, you're doing this right. <laughs> I was, was just wild. about to ask, like, why do you think that you felt you couldn't sell or you felt, and it's really just that validation from somebody else, right? Well, just to be like, yeah, this makes sense. Or cause like, even too, when you're playing, when you're new and you're, you're, you're trading with people's real money and you don't have any support to be like, here are my ideas. <laughs> right. Help me make sure that this makes the most sense for mm-hmm. this person, you know, cause like you're, you're, you're trading, you're, you're buying investments with people's real money, their retirement money. You know, that would give really me so much it. anxiety. Yeah. You want to be really good at it. And so when you're nervous, like, holy crap, man, I'm going to, they're going to give me $250,000 of their real retirement money. I'm going to pick out investments for them. And if, if you don't feel confident in your ability to do it, they're going to say no. And that's what was happening. And it was like, really just because I just, well, whatever, that was it. So I, um, when I went to the independent firm, I started being much more successful because I, you know, I was just kind of being properly trained and like, you had a mentorship, right? You had somebody that was mentoring you or at least giving you the time of day to help you validate your decisions, which sometimes you want, I wonder that all the time. Like, why do I need somebody else to tell me that I'm doing something right? But it's, it's nice to have that like that yeah. well also I mean I, I was brand new and you're I mean if you do it wrong you can really hurt people so it I makes know. sense doctors <laughs> go to residencies for a reason like financial advisors you have somebody's whole retirement like somebody should be watching what you're doing when you're, like, <laughs> why am year, I left my own devices <laughs> um so so then I went to an independent firm and they, there I was able to charge for planning and listen my nerdy little heart loves planning so I started with like student loans I started doing a lot of, a lot of work with student loans. And I really, that was actually really like some of the, my biggest, like, uh, there was a lot of momentum in that, uh, mm-hmm. people were calling me, I would get stopped at the grocery store. Like I could imagine it's such a hot uh, topic, like the amount of money that student yeah. loans, I mean, I'll admit, I still have, I should probably talk to you shamelessly. Don't ever like think about, I just pay my bills like, you know, but, um, yeah, student loans has always been kind of a hot topic, and it's surprising how much it costs for little gain in a sense. You know, oh, there's some people who have student loans that aren't even in their profession that they thought they would be in. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a topic for like a little back of the. I would, say, I would love to have that conversation. Um, too. And so then I was, I started. What, really, what was happening was clients were coming to see me, and they were like, "Dude, these kids are about to go to college, and I'm still paying on my own student loans. No. I got credit cards." older than two of my marriages. Like what is going on with me? I make 200,000 and I have four, you know, $400 in my savings account. Like, and so, and I was seeing these kind of problems from everywhere on the income scale. It had nothing to do with how much money people made. And so that's where I started to really be like, Hmm, interesting. Cause people were coming to see me for money advice, but I was only really capable of giving investment advice. And there's not too many money problems that are solved with better mutual funds. Right. You know, like it's, it's really not. And so, um, I hired a a business coach who 
helped me kind of see that, like, I really love doing cash flow work and I love, I love coaching. So I, I uh, started to do that in my practice. And then I, it took a little while. It took me a little while to like be ready. Um, but I, I left the firm and I just started Sheep to Shark. And so that was 2017. So Sheep to Shark, I love the name. It's so great. Uh, so you have all these people that like were coming to you and that kind of pushed you into creating that. So when, when you have people sign on or you start going through the process, what do you, what do you do with these people? So like one of the things I always think about with, with somebody's going, I'm like, oh my God, I don't want them to see my bank account. I don't want them to see my credit cards. Like, how do you get that comfort level? Because people can be so private when it comes to their financials. So the people who are hiring me have a problem that they really need solved. So they're already to the point where they're going to pay a lady to read their bank statements <laughs> and tell them what's up. So if you're if you don't want somebody to read your bank statements, you're not going to hire them. Like, right. and so um, so right now in my practice, my one-on-one time, like my my one-on-one clients, it's it's all high-end business coaching. But I'll tell you, this is where I started. So I don't want to. So uh, these these things now we do in, in group settings and we have memberships and, and, uh, it's, it's not quite as high. I know you've grown much. like so much. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to, I'll show you how to read your own transactions. Yeah. So what I started, what I, what I realized, like one of my big epiphanies is the reason why money plans fail is because of their plans for money. Their plans are for an inanimate object. Imagine right. making plans for your car or your knives. or your scissors. All right. What are these scissors going to do? What are these scissors going to do for me? You have to make the plans for you. Mm -hmm. You have to make the plans for the human who's going to do the things. Right. (laughs) Right. And so the, the plan for the money doesn't work. I listen, listen, I've had more people come into my office with thousands of dollars of financial plans that never got done. Right. So like you're talking financial plans, you're like, all right, I'm going to save, you know, a thousand dollars in three months yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That's so just you a- can say that, but then you actually have to do it. Right. And what, <laughs> what's the incentive to do it? And you have to, and that means you have to change. You probably have like a good number of habits to change to get that thousand dollars, especially if you are already spending it. Right. So like, let's just say you had $5,000 a month and you want to save a thousand dollars. Well, if you were already spending all five and you weren't saving, you have to change a thousand dollars worth of habits. So when we put a, put a financial habit or a financial plan in place that says, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to save a thousand dollars a month. Okay, great. But then you have to get your human to stop going out to lunch with the girls. You have to get your human to cancel her subscriptions. You have to get your human. Stop buying stuff on Amazon so much. Stop buying stuff on Amazon (laughs) or whatever, whatever, you know, you have to really evaluate, like, what am I doing? One of my new year's, like, I won't say resolutions, but goals is like, I legit pay one of Amazon's like warehouses. I'm pretty sure like at least the gas in the truck. So one of the things that I was doing, cause habit breaking, as you're, as you're mentioning is if I put it in my cart, I can't buy it, but I have to take that money that was in my cart and I have to put it in my savings because clearly I thought I had the money to buy it. I can clearly put that in my savings. And if I want it that bad, I can get my ass off the couch and I can go to the store and buy it. That's been my way of trying to do it. I've not bought I bought one thing off of Amazon and it was sewing needles. It was something I needed. <laughs> oh, all right. So I use Amazon all the time, but I'm not, I feel it's a tremendous convenience and I really like buying stuff off of Amazon, but it's, I'm, you know, I'm not, for me, it works for me. It works. Yeah. Um, My whole thing is I'll sit there mindlessly, right? Like I'll see something on Pinterest or I'll see something on Instagram and I'm like, Ooh, let me, let me look that up. Next thing you know, I'm $70 deep, which that $70 could have clearly gone 
to something else. I need to break that mindset of having it right at my fingertips. I love Amazon, trust me, but it's made me like, it's made my shopping more of more of a bad habit than it was before, if that makes sense. Can I give you a suggestion? Sure. Find a better way to unwind. I so feel if like you're mindlessly t- scrolling. Yeah. You're so like we have our conscious mind and our subconscious mind. So your right. conscious mind can go into the future. It can go into the past. You took you took that baby to college. Like that's the part of your brain that is high, your higher level reasoning. Your subconscious brain is like, mm, I would like a snack today and some <laughs> sex. I would like sex and a snack. Right. <laughs> and that's where your body is. So like when your sub or when your conscious mind is kind of like exhausted, it's, it's offline. Your subconscious is like, Ooh, body, we could do this. And so then your conscious mind doesn't really pick up on it. So if you're going shopping at the place where you're already like consciously exhausted, where your mind is shut down, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you're, you're doing that to unwind. So I would really say that what you're doing, it sounds reasonably effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you, it's the, the trigger of the routine and the reward. So right. you're, you're swapping you're but you, you're still have to use a little bit of willpower. So I would look at like, all right, well, what's a better way to unwind? What would actually make me feel more relaxed? Cause like scrolling your phone doesn't actually help you really unwind. There's blue no. light. There's a lot of, you know, so you may find like, all right, well, what are five other ways I could unwind besides scrolling in my bed? Um, so that's, uh, so that's a, that's a thing. Um, cause sometimes you just have to change the route, the route, like you, you need to unwind. So that's, that's the thing. Shopping, uh, is not shopping's not, uh, it's not really a way to unwind. It's really not. It doesn't, I've, never, it doesn't I've really... actually never put the two to two together. So thank you for that. I'm going to be yeah. a little bit more conscious. I love the subconscious snacks, sex shop. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, like, it's like, Oh, I want to, I want to buy this thing and I want to have it. It's going to make my existence <laughs> yeah. better. Like the, the free mind just gets to run around. And then in the, then the box shows up and your conscious mind is like, what did I do? <laughs> I told you not to do that anymore. Right. I was there's, tired and there's you some- tricked me. <laughs> and now I have this credit card bill and your mind really worries about money. Your conscious right. mind. So I was like, sometimes when I'm like looking at, it's almost like this, um, I call it buyer's remorse where yeah. like, I feel bad that I did it. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why I'm trying to switch. Like, I'm going to need things. I'm going to need to buy things every once in a while, but like, let's not do it just to do it anymore. And then I get that anxiety of like, well, why did I spend that money? The other thing I would suggest for that exact thing is getting super, super clear around what you want your money to be doing for you. So if you don't have super clear desires of like, all right, this summer, I want to go to Greece and I want to spend two weeks there. Right. Or this summer, I want to do this. Or in this time, I want to do this then it's very easy for your, the things that you want to get real loud in your brain because you don't, so like when you make a decision, Mm -hmm. your, your brain can kind of calm down some because you're like, so like, let's just say, let's just say, for example, I do decide that I'm doing my kitchen and I want to direct all of my money to the kitchen. I want a new cabinet. I want new floors, whatever. So now when the opportunity for dinner with the girls that wasn't planned on and isn't really in the, in the budget comes, I could say, all right, well, do I want to go out to dinner or do I want this kitchen? And which one do I want more? And it becomes very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, when you don't have any goals that you're actually working toward that are important to you that you actually want. Um, it's very hard. Like, cause if it was dinner with the girls or no dinner with the girls, it's dinner with the girls is what I want. 
Right. So how do you, I guess the question for me there is how do you, so I also am an instant gratification person, right? I want something now. I can't wait for it. How do you switch kind of that mindset? Because my mind would go dinner with the girls would make me happy right now. I can extend my kitchen goal a week. Well, that's, that's fine. You're welcome to make that choice. Like, but also, uh, I would, I would really bet that if you're doing that kind of spending, you might not actually have goals that are the truth and that are exciting to you. Good to know. So goal setting is obviously very important when it comes to getting a hold of how your cash flow works, right? Is that a a good statement? Fair statement? Well, goal setting get, get so listen the biggest thing that people oh, you guys this is this is important listen listen turn it up right get a pen write this down <laughs> i got a pen so most people are are making plans like they they're using their money backwards they're they're like making plans for their money the the thing is is that your money is a tool for creation of a lifestyle so if you're trying to get your money to do things but you don't give it a goal you, that tool, part of using money, it's using it as a tool, which means you need to know how you're using it, which is super tricky because money's it's, you know, like, you know how to use a pen, right? There's ink on one side. There's a clicker on the other. You know how to use it. You know how to use a kitchen knife. There's a handle on one side. There's the blade on the other. You, you know how to do it. Money turns into a pen. Money turns into a kitchen knife. Money turns into plane tickets or massages or right. whatever you want it to be. So you have to get super clear on what it is that you want your money to be doing. Like, what do you want your lifestyle to be like? And then for longer term goals, we don't want those to necessarily be goals because mm-hmm. they're so far in the future. We want to make them more like a habit. Like, think about it. Like, why do you brush your teeth every day? Because we have to. <laughs> like, you, it's, you it's, never even thought about it. It's no, just it's something just you do. Routine. It's just, so listen, if you, so like, you, you brush your teeth every day to extend the life of your teeth that have healthy gums, right? You, you, you do this, but really like in the morning, you just feel gross if you don't. Right. No, you're so you exactly get right. Your, your long-term goals, like your retirement goals to just become a habit where it's just this thing that you do. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of mental resources going to it. You want to set those up automatically and whatever. And you want to use that mental thing to really like t- be like, oh, I want my money to do this. And it's going to be after you've saved for your retirement or after you've saved for the things that you need, because those things are just habits, but your money goals have to be juicy. If you really want to get them done, boring money goals are very difficult to get to do. They're very difficult to muster up the willpower to actually get them done. Right. That's, I have never thought of money that way. Can I say, I have something else. So the other thing, when we set our money goals, we want to think about like, so listen, there's some goals that are mental wins. And then there's some goals that are body wins. So when we're thinking about setting our money goals, we kind of want to be thinking about it. All right. Is this all a mental game? Is this all a mental win? Or does my body get to enjoy some of this too? So one of the things that's, that makes money goals hard to achieve is when it's all, when it's all mental. Right. And the body doesn't. So we're going to ask our bodies to give up snacks. We're going to, we're going to bring salad from home and we're going (laughs) to eat mildly wilted salad from home instead of going, instead of going and being served 
and there's going to be free refills on seltzer. You know, like <laughs> we're asking our, our bodies to make some sacrifices. And right. so when our money goals require a lot of work from the body, but the body's got no reward, the body's like, listen, we'll play along with this for like two weeks, but we're really not into it. So right. conscious mind, you have like two weeks and if you can get it done, then cool. But if this goal is going to take like years, we're not really, we're going to, we're, we're going to go buy the snacks because your subconscious mind controls your body. Right. If you, Listen, if you've ever, listen, I'm going to say this. And if you've ever done this, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever said to yourself, I'm full, I feel good. And then your spoon goes back into your mouth. <laughs> Guilty. Yeah. I take 100%. a deep breath. I go, full but it's still in front of me and I'll continue yeah and your body's like um we could fit one more in I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure and so then I'm have sick learn, you have to learn to manage these two two things so goals that are like straight on spreadsheets so like mm-hmm. if you want ten thousand dollars in your savings account that's going to be a very mental goal you think you're going to feel different but you're not I promise you I've worked with thousands of people and I've watched them save ten thousand dollars and then do you know what their mind moves the goal post because that's what the mind does the mind's like, all right, well, now we need 15,000 to feel good because your mind doesn't actually feel your body feels. And right. your body was like, uh, <laughs> we have a bed in heat. We felt good the whole time. Why are we doing this? Right. So the mind will move the goalpost. So when you're setting your, your money goals, you want to make sure that, that there's something that you really want for your lifestyle that your body gets to experience too. Cause then your body's going to be like, oh, we're going to get to go to Greece. <laughs> or we're going to get new kitchen cabinets. I'm really excited about those kitchen cabinets because I love cooking. And, right. you, you know, like it's not just a mental win. Like I get to touch the cabinets with my actual chubby right. little fingers. <laughs> I get to use my kitchen knife with my actual arms. Like, so my body's like, yes, we're going to be the hostess with the mostest. <laughs> it's going to be so good. And then like when I'm trying to, to trade in, like going out to dinner versus the kitchen, I'm like, no, no, I actually really want that it will take a little while to get there, but that will be way better. Right. Because then I'm going to get to touch my new shiny cabinet and get to see them every day. So like a lot of times that's like, people will be like, I want to save more money in my 401k. And I'm like, we should do that. It's not that that's a bad thing to do. It's a great thing to do, but that's not going to be the sort of thing that's juicy enough to get you to change your behaviors in any meaningful way. Right. And I would say like my 401k is almost habitual, right? Like I just it's going into the account. It's going into the account. I'm not actively looking at it, seeing at it. I just know that money goes out of my paycheck into my 401k. Like it's- yeah, and that's, that's a great way to do it because then you don't see it and your body doesn't know that it's available and your right. body doesn't have to give anything up. Right. So I remember when I was younger and starting like in my career and being like told what the 401k was, I remember going, well, I don't want to give up this money. Like I'm only making, I'm only making $28,000 a year at 22 years old. Why am I going to put money away? And then finally I was like, I think it was my dad. He's like, you have an opportunity to do it. Just do it. So I had to switch that mindset. Like, like you said, it's not, I had to, I started small because I had to be comfortable with it because when you're 22 years old, living on your own, you know, I was living with John at the time, but like we had our bills and I was again, living in an apartment, paying for rent, paying for groceries and sharing, um, not really sharing financials, but being responsible for things, every penny counted. Right. So like I had to switch that mindset to be like, okay, I can do $25, right. That's $25. I'm going to spend at the bar on Saturday. Right. I can do $25 a week. 
And then eventually I got used to not having that $25 to a point where I got comfortable and I was like, all right, let me do a little bit more. And then I kept doing it. And that's kind of the same process I use now when I'm, when I'm spending money. Like for example, when I joined, I just recently joined a boxing gym and monthly, I would rather pay per class because to me, it's just like, all right, here's 20 bucks. Here's 20 bucks. The idea of paying this like large sum monthly always made me uncomfortable. Like I don't want to pay, you know, $110 a month for these classes. Meanwhile, I'm going three times a week. So if I break it down, it's not that much, but then I would look at like, we'd go out to lunch or we go out for a Friday or Saturday night and we're spending $200. I'm like, why am I okay with that? But I'm not okay with me spending this at the gym. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing to just start to get self-aware on. Cause I'm, right. I'm with you. Like um, an interesting thing is I will go out and I will spend a hundred dollars on a meal. No, no questions like, asked. No questions. Yep. I'm the same. But way. buying a $60 shirt, I will be at White House Black Market just deep breathing. Like, I'll be okay. I can do this. I make a lot of money. Oh, I do this. It's a weird thing. It's a super weird thing. So it's just a it's just a self-awareness to be like, that's that's interesting. And actually, um, and actually I'm okay. I'm okay to do that. Like, right. So I have to do, I have, I have to break the, I don't know if I have to break the habit or if I keep the habit, but one of the things I'm like, I could find this cheaper and I make good money now and I'm, I'm comfortable. And, but my younger self is that $60 t-shirt. I can get the same t-shirt for $10 somewhere else. And nobody would know, right? Like how do like, I can't break that mindset. Like I can't, I don't know if it's more so the hunt of it, like, let me find this item cheaper. Or if it's really the fact that I am trying to do more with my money. So you just have to be careful. Uh, you just have to be careful about your use of mental energy. Our mental energy is a finite resource. We don't have unlimited amounts of mental energy. Right. So your decision-making power is, you know, it's limited every day. That's why willpower doesn't work because that part of your brain, it, it only gets so much glucose for the day. So you just have to be careful with it because you could you could use a lot of your decision making power to to do that when when maybe it was worth it and maybe it wasn't. So maybe mm-hmm. if it was a you know if you see a shirt and you know that you can get it at ten dollars someplace else maybe that's maybe that's worth the mental energy. But let's just say it was like baker's yeast and you were going to buy it at the grocery store but then you think you could get it on Amazon for a dollar <laughs> less. And now you're and now you're like right. And you're like, all right, well, I saved 67 cents. I made four decisions. I opened up four apps. Grocery shopping took me 10 minutes longer. I saved 67 cents. Was it worth it? Right. So you just have to pick and choose where where that is, uh, where that's going to be the thing. Gotcha. So this, this is all like really great. I'm learning so much right now. What My first question was, how do you get people to feel comfortable admitting that they have the problem? Are there, would you say that there are certain struggles that you see more often than other? Do you feel, is it more family-based women with, you know, kids and family, or is it more single women? Is it met? Like, how do you, what is, what is it that you're touching every day? I guess is probably more so the question. So money is really reflective of your relationship with yourself. So if you're busy, broken, exhausted, you're, you know, you have scarcity running through your life. Money is going to be a massive problem. Right. If you spend money uh, 
to have status you maybe actually didn't even achieve. You're going to make it look like you have status. Um, you know, that may be a problem. So everybody's money story is a little different. So it just depends. So like there's common financial problems are bleeding. It's when your money goes and you're like, what happened? Right. You, know, you open up your statement and you're like, somebody stole my identity. And then you read it. <laughs> and you're like, oh, right. Uh, uh, I went there. I, I do that like on Mondays after the weekend. Like, what did I do this weekend? Like I, I ate that hundred dollar meal. I spent $200 on probably a bar tab for the weekend. If you think, especially during football season and the money comes, I'm like, what, why, why did, why did, did I need to, I had fun. I enjoyed it, but why? Yeah. <laughs> why didn't? <laughs> yep. So those are, those are things. Some people are financially constipated where they'll have a lot of money and it will be very painful to let that money go. I actually just got a new client yesterday who's got maybe 160,000 in the bank. And, uh, and it really has a very hard time spending it. It's very painful. It's very upsetting. It's very like it, it sets her on edge. And so that's a different kind of problem. I right. have some clients who get in and out of credit card debt over and over and over again. Um, we have some clients who undercharge in their businesses. So now my, now my clients are mostly working in their businesses. And so sometimes when we're not paying attention to our systems, our businesses get expensive or, uh, we're undercharging, you know, that's right. a, that's a really big thing or we're not being efficient. We're not leveraging our time or we're doing tasks that are beneath like our pay grade if we're trying to make a certain amount of money. So everybody's money story is, is different. And a lot of money work is really not about the practical budgeting, the, but you know, the, the math, it's really about like your habits and your actions, the way that you think about things and your ability to tolerate certain sensations in your body, like your ability to have tolerate certain emotions. And then some of it's community too. Like as we grow and we expand, sometimes we have to like kind of let go of old friendships or, uh, you know, set boundaries with family or boundaries, you know, and in many places, and, um, and it may not just be about like money sometimes because wealth is about like time and energy and it's about just a general state of well-being. So if you have one friend who like every time you hang out with her, you're like, oh, my God, I think I need, I need a new sweater and a drink <laughs> after that. You know, right. like being exhausted is expensive. Feeling guilty is expensive. Like there's a lot of emotions that are very expensive and we'll, we'll try to use our money to feel different or like being busy is very expensive. Yeah. You know, being exhausted. I just, I think it's <clears> that, but being, being busy, like when you get too busy, what you'll do is you'll use your money to try to plug time holes. Right. You know, like, Oh, I didn't have time to make myself a sandwich. So now I'll buy a sandwich. Oh, I didn't have time to look for the dress that I know I have in a box that I didn't unpack from when I moved. So the funeral is tomorrow. I'll just go buy a dress or the right. weddings tomorrow. I'll just go buy a dress or whatever. Yeah. That's another one. I always need a new outfit. Like I constantly go and I have a thousand dresses, but I always go, I need a new, I need a new item for this activity. I can't just reuse something I have. Mm, you know, what, can I give you a, a, an idea? <laughs> yeah. So for certain things, you should set yourself some standards and then, so like you like to buy cheap stuff. And when you like to buy cheap stuff, you end up with more of it. Because right. it was such a good deal. And so it makes the shopping a little addictive. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit like a Dorito. Like it's delicious. And it was just one. 
and there's not a lot of satisfaction in it. Mm -hmm. So I would suggest to one, set a budget, buy your clothes quarterly, and then don't buy clothes the rest of the time. So buy your clothes like, and you know, if you're, if you haven't changed sizes or you really don't need anything twice a year is fine. And then I would try to whatever number you can go up to comfortably buy that instead of buy, instead of always looking for the cheap things because it changes how you take care of your stuff. It changes the way that you take care of your body. When you put on a dress that was like a couple of hundred dollars and you feel it, you, it fits you perfect and you feel like amazing. It's a very different experience than going to Forever 21 and buying <laughs> put a $20 dress on and calling it a day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's, there's something to be said for that around stretching into that because it takes financial strength. Like think about it, like going to the gym. So you can spend $5, like lifting like a one pound weight. Mm -hmm. Well, you could lift that one pound weight a hundred times. And it's the same thing as, as being able to lift 20 pounds weight, you know, 20, like, but you're stronger if you can spend, even if spend bigger amounts less frequently, and you'll find that there's a lot more satisfaction in it. Now that advice is for you. That's not like uh, really money advice has to be customized, but as I'm listening, I'm like, <laughs> because it, it shows, it right. shows you how you value yourself. So if you're always dressing your body in the cheapest thing that was possibly available, you're, you're sending a message to your subconscious of like, I, this is what I'm worth. That's what, that's part, that's of, a different, that's part of it. Yeah. That's a different mindset. I'm going, I'm going to run with that. So that's, yeah. So <laughs> that if you're, but so listen, if you're buying $100 dress, you're not buying five $20 dresses. You have to trade. Yeah. So that's that mindset of, I could find it cheaper somewhere else. I could get more for my money. Yeah. yeah. But when you start looking at nicer stores and everything else, you'll, you'll notice the fabric is different. The service is different. Mm -hmm. The experience is different. It's worth getting it tailored. You know, right. when you buy a $20 dress and it's not perfect, you're like, I'm not going to get tailored as a $20 dress. Right. <laughs> I totally spent a hundred dollars to put pockets in a $40 dress this year, <laughs> but I love the dress. Um, right. and so whatever, but, um, that's, so, uh, it's a thing. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna text you. And when I finally do it, because it's going to take me again, it's that hunt in, um, things that I'm working on <laughs> this year, I guess. Uh, this has been so great. I feel like I could talk to you for hours about this subject. Um, but as you know, we have to wind down soon. So now that you have kind of developed sheep to shark and, and how to get people to think and about their money and how they how it can be rewarding and not so much of a you know task at hand. How would you say, or how would how would you explain where you are now? So like you've started with this idea because you were kind of unhappy and felt that you've um, did everything that you can. You've you've moved around. You were kind of just exhausted at that point to where you are now. If you could have asked yourself, you know, ten years ago, would you ever imagine that you'd be helping the people that you are? I mean, I could, I could, I think I could have imagined it like right now. So like sheep to shark last year, we did a half a million dollars this year. We'll probably do a million dollars. We've that's um, amazing. I know it really is. It surprises me sometimes. I'm this is my fourth year in business. The business will turn five in uh, August. Mm -hmm. And um, I really love it. Like I really love, I really love what we do. Um, it's fun. And now that so like it takes a lot of money to build out infrastructure. And so actually like this past year, 
we had a an offer that used to be like high end high touch coaching and it was it, it was like you know it's it was a $5000 program and i was doing the sales for these things and everybody i talked to wanted it and they, the all, everybody who couldn't do it it was a price like they like literally couldn't it wasn't like they had the money and didn't want to spend it they they couldn't so we were able to change that program lower the price um add in a lot of group support so for me that was a really big win because I have I, I had the resources to build out the digital infrastructure to make it scalable. And I had the content to put into the to the membership and we built the courses and I have the workbooks and I had everything that was ready that like for the longest time I had to do everything customized because because I was still building. And right. so everything was was high end, high touch. And it not like not expensive for what they were getting, but you know, was in multiple thousands of dollars. And so for me, being able to have that big impact. So like in the cash confident, like when it was um, so last year, I think we ended up with like 40 clients total in my higher end program. But when we lowered the price, the membership is new. It's only um, we we opened it up in October. So uh, it's a few months old. It's not even four months old. And we already have we already have almost 50 members in it. Awesome. So what is that program? So it's, it's a, it's a membership. And so the, the thing that I love about cash confident is that there's context. Listen, I have, I've read hundreds and I'm not exaggerating hundreds of books on money. I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on money courses. If you know a money course, I probably took it. And so what I realized is that money works on different levels. Like think about it, like first grade, second grade, all the way, you know, all the way from busy, broken, exhausted up to financial independence. And so what, what I've been able to do and like to totally toot my own horn and shamelessly plug do myself it. is that there, the context is what makes wealth go faster. So like when I was building all these things, I would learn about mindset. I'd learn about practical things. I was learning about stock options before I even knew how to manage myself. Like I was like, I was all over the place. And so my journey took I mean, in the big scheme of things, it went really fast. But if you put the learning in order between practical habits, mindset, emotional intelligence and community, you can go, you can build wealth so much faster. And so I think that's like the main draw to that program. So it's, I mean, I think it's very inexpensive. It's not nothing you have to, you have to like, you know, it's a hundred dollars a month, I guess. Right. So it's not, um, you know, it's not like nothing you have, you have to consider it. Uh, but when you see how much progress you can make because you're going in order and there's like group coaching and there's courses and there's so much value in there for somebody to get and somebody to do that to me, that is like one of my big wins because like, like without being too cheesy, like it really hurts. It hurts my heart when people suffer because of money. Right. Like I'm like, it's, it's something that's like such a tremendous tool for creation if we use it that way. So, um, so anyways, so for me, that was one of my big wins. Awesome. So great. Um, I want to be mindful of your time. So I think yeah. we can get ready to wind down. Um, I have one question for you, as you know. Sure. <laughs> what is the one thing you used to apologize for in the past, but you are unlikely to apologize for now? I think for a long time, I felt real guilty about my, my life being so excellent when, other, when it seems unfair. And I think it held me back for a long time because I felt guilty about my success. Like I would feel like successful, but I wouldn't want to share it. Like, I, right. like 
honestly, when I, I, I just wrote a post that I did at half a million dollars. I saw that. Dude, it was like a real big rush. Like my bot, like all my emotions were like, oh my God, this is not safe. You're gonna, everybody's gonna judge you. And like, at this point, like my life is real fantastic. I travel where I want. I don't, I work the amount of hours I want. I make a lot of money and I'm gloriously happy in my marriage and my motherhood. And I feel like that's not fair. And it's none of my business that it's not fair. No, that's beautiful. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Like I said, I feel like I've talked to you for hours. Uh, we'll have to grab you back on again to get into a little bit more depth of what you do. But thank you so much for taking out um, your time for me. Do you have, where can people find you on Instagram? So I'm a, I'm a sheep to shark. You can find me sheep to shark on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And then my website is also sheep to shark. Awesome. And then we'll put stuff in the description of the episode too. So you can find her with links. Again, thank you so much, Bree. Have a great, great day. All right. Thank so you good for having to see me. You. Bye. Of course. Bye.